You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 for a fantasy football podcast brought to you by com. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined, as always, by Jess Clark Barnes and Mr. Class Jordan Smith. Guys, how are we doing? Doing great, Pete. Awesome. Excellent. Splendid. How was your guys' uh, Memorial Day weekend? Did you do anything fun? Saw uh, the Rockets lose. Uh, had a lot of fun with a buddy coming in from out of town, but just a lot of drinking and hanging out. So fantastic Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, I saw. I watched a lot of frustrating basketball. Just three straight nights of of frustration. Yeah, Celtics lost, which was I can't say unexpected. Uh, it was it was expected, but it was still nonetheless crushing. Um, and then we talked about this very briefly. Uh, before we started recording, before I jumped onto the show, but uh, countdown is going for my wedding. My fiance is in my wedding. We are getting married in almost a month now, um, and so my brother and his fiance threw us a wedding shower on Monday, which was very nice, uh, very nice and very unexpected, and started us getting into the uh, host mode in which we have to say hi to all of our guests and make conversation and say thank you when they all leave um it was good practice but gotta earn that spatula set bro exactly and in fact we did get a spatula set so we earned it we literally earned that spatula set so well done us on the actual football news since we are a fantasy football podcast that i feel like we have to remind ourselves every podcast because we are happy to just discuss everything and anything there's nothing going on. There's really nothing going on. Interesting thing that I saw today is I had Roto World up, and on the tab, it refreshed and said, Jadavian Clowney out. And it gave you a heart attack. And it was like clicking on it out until training camp. And so, okay, well, that was the most interesting thing in football that happened to me today. Clark, where does that rival uh, headlines that ended with a question mark? Which is which is worth headlines that end in question mark or end headlines that purposefully end a couple words short to really get you uh, hooked on that clickbait? Oh, the question marks are the worst because this was just the way Firefox is configured and the size of my monitor. So this was unintentional Got by Roto World. So this was question marks. Yeah, Roto just trying to get all of those Texan fans clicks as they're like Jadavian right. Clowney out for yeah. training camp. Um. Excellent. Well, yes, as we've alluded to many times on this podcast, we are in the fantasy and just the general football doldrums right now. Nothing really happens. Nothing's really going on. We have some breaking news, I guess you can call it. A veteran receiver has found himself a new home, and his name is not Des Bryant, so spoiler alert there. Um, A veteran running back is eyeballing both Jordan and Clark's team as a potential landing spot, so there's something. Uh, for you guys to hang your hat on. And then we're going to uh, talk, uh, we're going to give our way too early predictions for the top fantasy performers at each position because, hey, 
who doesn't love predicting these things in the end of May when we have no idea about anything. So no idea about anything, dude. Mine are right. That's okay. So so <laughs> if you're drafting, Clarks are right. And so there you go. So now you'll know exactly who to be picking in order to maximize uh, your fantasy team. So let us get right on into it. Time for some NFL news. Like I alluded to, a veteran receiver not named Des Bryant has found himself a new home, and that man is none other than Brandon Marshall, who was released by the uh, by the Giants after a very forgetful year in New York, in which he was injured for most of it. Uh, but he now has a team. Uh, he signed with the Seattle Seahawks on a last-ditch effort to finally make the postseason for the first time in his career. However, it's far more likely that he'll get cut right before the Seahawks rattle off you know, their traditional five wins to make a uh, last-second postseason run, just to really rub salt into the wound. Um, but my question for you, Jordan, to start us off, is there any hope for Brandon Marshall in 2018? Is, is he going to even make the Seahawks? Do you even see that he's going to uh, be on a team? Uh, so... It's it's possible that they start using Brandon Marshall as the number two wide receiver. Um, they just might prefer um, to, I guess, have a, a possession type of receiver rather than those deep guys just to give um, Russell Wilson a chance to get the ball out more quickly than he usually does. Uh, I, I don't really see a whole lot of fantasy relevance for Brandon Marshall no matter where he goes. I, it just kind of seems like he's he's peaked. Yeah, it's the season of optimism. I like to think everybody's <laughs> going to bounce back. But uh, Brandon Marshall looked really bad on a Giants team that also looked terrible, but they really needed anyone to step up, and he just couldn't do it. Doesn't, you know, hope hope for his sake that it works. I just, I, I wouldn't bet the over on any stats for him. The other, the only two things that I see that are going for him are, one, this is the best quarterback he's ever played with by far. Um, and the other thing is, is that the Seahawks still need to replace Jimmy Graham's league leading 24 red zone targets. So I have no idea if that is Brandon Marshall, but if there was a team for Brandon Marshall to like make it through training camp and sneak his way onto the 53 man roster, I feel like the Seahawks are the only team in the NFL that he could do that to, since they do really need uh, wide receiver talent. And, uh, you know, Brandon Marshall, like we said in last week's podcast, maybe he can fall backwards into the end zone five times. He's tall. Yeah. He can mm-hmm. catch so, contested balls. We'll see. So there you go. There's, there's, that's literally like the headline of the NFL right now is Brandon Marshall signs on a team that he's probably going to get cut from. So again, Football doldrums, everyone. We're trying to make do. Uh, in other news, other news, other news, other news, Doug Martin is aiming for a bounce back with the Raiders. That's a quote that has been said. So Okay. Uh, I I think this is going to happen. Oh, I have stated on this podcast before that I fall in love with people and then just latch on to them for the rest of their careers. So be warned. I've always been a big Doug Martin fan. But people say that... Uh, we saw Marshawn Lynch resurgent at the end of the year. Uh, I didn't see that. I didn't see the Raiders look very good at much of anything last year. So I could have just wanted one of those, you know, they regressed a little bit and didn't look great. But I, we've seen Doug Martin just be fantastic. And then we've seen him the next year seemingly lose all of his talent. And then the next year be fantastic. And 
so maybe they've got a great line. He costs you nothing in best ball drafts. So I, I hope it happens. I'm rooting for him. This could help Marshawn uh, stay as fresh as possible. He's definitely better than any sort of uh, second string or backup that they had last year. So I, he could have a little bit of value. I wouldn't count on him supplanting Marshawn Lynch, though. Yeah, you guys are. I have a lot more faith than I do. I have zero faith in Doug Martin and will not touch him in any league. Well, someone's going to have to run for that. I mean, like, I hate to say something so stupidly obvious, but, like, there's no clear-cut guy, and this is just one of those situations that we see every year where probably two or three guys on this team are going to get drafted, and it's going to be, like, your 10th, 11th, 12th round pick. You're just going to hope that that's the guy that week one gets 15 carries. So it'll be interesting to watch to see who that person is. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. You can tell we're really scraping bottom of the barrel here. Uh, Now, veteran running back who's making uh, wild claims about where he wants to end up. Uh, Adrian Peterson still trying to prove to the rest of the NFL that he is more than just his workout videos and that he is actually uh, a capable running back in today's NFL. In an interview with ESPN, Peterson listed the following teams as places he would think he would be good at. Top of the list. First team he mentioned, Clark. Houston Texans. Second team he mentioned, Jordan. Green Bay Packers. He goes on to mention Carolina, the Dolphins, and the Rams because guess what uh, Miami needs in their backfield? It's 300-year-old Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. That's a winning formula. But since it is the first two teams that he mentioned, uh, Jordan and Clark, I got to get your opinions on this. Clark, uh, I don't think it's going to happen in Green Bay. It would be the ultimate FU to the Vikings, but Green Bay has a pretty young and up-and-coming running back group there, and I don't necessarily know if you – throw a wrench into that and that wrench being called AP, but the Texans on the other hand, uh, Lamar Miller's coming off of a year that he did not do that well. And Devonta Foreman tore his Achilles. Clark, how would you feel if Adrian Peterson, the greatest running back of our generation brought his talents to Houston? So the, the Texans do just need another body. And so if he's willing to play for the league minimum, I don't see that as a bad idea because Donta Foreman is, expected to come back soon but it's an achilles injury for a running back we've never really seen somebody come back from that and be extremely explosive and he wasn't extremely explosive he was a lot of the kind of build-up speed a la derrick henry type and he was very good at that i was very excited uh lamar miller is just fine uh and then they re-signed alfred blue who's fine so I wouldn't be surprised at all if they if they pick them up and kick the tires uh, as long as they're not going to have to pay him much. I don't want it to happen. Season of optimism. I love you, AP. Season but like, of optimism. Let's not have that. Let's not have that circus because I, I think he's kind of <sighs> past his prime. I'm going to be bold. Well, that is a bold claim. Yeah. He had that one angry game after he went to Arizona last year in the middle of the season. Like, that was a really good game. But he also, didn't he carry the ball like 39 times? Yeah. Like, they just gave it to him run after run. He's not really capable of that five yard per attempt. It is just running people over high step in over the first down marker. It's so sad to see. Because I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't trying to be a dick when I said that he's the greatest running back of our generation. Like, he is. He's yeah, hands he's, down. Yeah. And so, like, it's so sad to see someone's career just kind of 
go out with a whimper like that. And it makes you, it makes you appreciate, especially because it's a running back and it's the running back position. It makes you maybe uh, uh, understand a little bit more. Barry Sanders is like abrupt retirement that people are all like, why did he leave the game early? And it's because like, I mean, imagine if Adrian Peterson had retired, you know, three years ago, you know, just kind of like avoided this whole kind of like awkward, Oh, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? No one really wants him. Does he really have anything left? And then once he gets on the field, you're like, oh no, he definitely doesn't have anything left. Like, don't get me wrong, the guy's in vastly better shape than I am, or, and will ever be uh, at the age of thirty. But you know, it, you definitely looked at him on the field, and you were like, oh, buddy, you you don't look like you have the same burst that you used to. After you know, he's had numerous ACL tears. He's had a lot of stuff that he's gone through. I would. It's just, it's sad. It's sad to see someone's career just kind of go out with a fizzle. Usually, you like, as a running back, you don't get to leave as gracefully as, like, a Barry Sanders did. Usually, you're ending up on, like, your second or third team, and they're trying to, I guess, kind of pushing you out the door right. because you still want to play, but they don't want to give you the ball 20 times a game. This is not to disparage Adrian Peterson or to talk crap because I'm a Packers fan. Adrian Peterson has carried my fantasy teams many a season. So I am a fan of Adrian Peterson. It's just that if the Packers would sooner hand the ball off to Aaron Ripkowski than to sign Adrian Peterson to be like the fourth best running back on that team. That's just sure. he he's going to have to look elsewhere, I think. Yeah, and there might not even be elsewhere. It, he might have to just hope. Well, no one hopes for injuries, but he might have to hope for an injury in training camp and have a, a running back spot open up and someone being able to willing to kick the tires and, and say, like, you know what? Hey, let's bring in AP and see what he could do. And he's not even been on the Vikings recently enough to kind of bring him in and get some trade secrets from the Minnesota Vikings. He's it's not going to be a situation like that. No Belichickian moves here. Nah, no, nope, nothing going on. Uh do you guys have any news worth sharing? Could be football related, could be life related, could be fun related. This is the news segment, and we are all fresh out of news. The Packers signed backup lineman Byron Bell. So I'm what actually pretty move. excited about that. <laughs> I, it's actually really great because when Brian Balaga inevitably goes down with like a quad injury or misses two to three weeks it's nice to be able to put somebody and plug them in that's a veteran that has actually played nfl downs in the league before we're that's always win. we're always playing these young guns that we drafted like two seasons ago who have never started a football game in their life there's some pretty sweet tweets of uh deandre hopkins doing amazing things out there so nice. Nice. i had a hard time not doing an entirely texans themed list of who's going to be number one <laughs> like, breaks a little bit barnes no one wants to hear that crap it's okay well actually let well that's a perfect transition because spoiler alert my quarterback might be texans related <laughs> uh let's just go right into since there is no news that's the news everyone good job uh so main course of today's episode, we are going to take a way too early look and give some predictions at whom our top fantasy performers will be at each uh, position. This is just really for fun. Like we said, there's really nothing going on. So we figured, what the hell? Let's make some wildly bold claims and maybe try to back it up. And uh, this is something Clark has already said that these are all correct, what he says. So that will already inform your draft strategy. Let's start off with the signal callers. And I have already alluded to this, so let me start. Um, 
the quarterback who I think will lead all other quarterbacks atop fantasy uh, is Deshaun Watson. Never forget that Watson was averaging 24 points per game before he tore his ACL. Now, I don't think he's going to do that again next year because, you know, there'll be a year of tape on him and defensive coordinators can figure out how to do it. Um, but he's proven that he can put up numbers with the best of the run, uh, fantasy quarterbacks. And I think he'll come out strong this season to prove that his rookie season was not a fluke. So uh, don't be surprised if Deshaun Watson leads all quarterbacks in fantasy this year. Yes, would not be surprised. Deshaun Watson can throw the ball a mile and he can outrun even your fastest defensive backs. And when you have DeAndre Hopkins, who you can just literally throw the ball up to and he can go 10 feet into the air and snatch it out of the sky, then that's all you really need, right? Well, and Adrian Peterson in your backfield. Oh, yes. Adrian <laughs> Peterson. Workhorse. Workhorse. There was a there was a great connection with Will Fuller last year uh, because people give DeAndre Hopkins the attention he deserves. Will Fuller is not fantastic, but he is fast and he can get behind you. Um, so really excited about the receiving score as the resident Texans fan. The only thing that's going to hold him back, I think, is going to be lots of question marks on the offensive line. Um, he managed to work through it in seven games last year. Uh, boy, electric electric seven games the biggest yeah the biggest thing for me was and everyone kind of used this game as a litmus test but when they went into seattle and it was just a you know a slugfest and like you saw deshaun watson make rookie mistakes he had i think whatever two or three interceptions that game but the amount of plays that he did make from a fantasy perspective completely overshadowed um those interceptions and however few points that those detracted from him Uh, he went toe-to-toe with russell wilson and i just you saw such consistency out of him during those seven games. And yes, everyone fill my mentions with, Oh, it was only half a season. <laughs> he has shown the ability to put up numbers that awe and inspire us. And he's got now a full year under his belt. Yes. He didn't play it, but he's got a full year under his belt in the system, learning the system, learning the offense. You have now him coming in as the unquestioned starter. So Bill O'Brien's going to have an can really cater this offense to what he does best and even kind of introduce some new stuff and new gimmicks into it that will uh, make it even more difficult for defenses to, to worry about, to, to plan game plan for. So I just, I, you know, I got a hankering in my bones that he's, that he could have, he's in for a big old sophomore year. Clark, uh, give me your quarterback pick, even though I'm assuming you might just be on board with me. No, I, I tried, tried your best not to be the Homer. Yeah, I, I tried to get bold with these as well, and I just failed at quarterback. <laughs> uh, I'm using the old fantasy logic of he got hurt last year, so clearly nothing bad is going to happen to him this year. I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I know, not super bold or interesting, but the narrative is he doesn't get his contract extension this offseason, and so he is pissed and just absolutely lights it up. And it's Aaron Rodgers, so yeah. yeah. That's fair. A healthy Aaron Rodgers is always a safe bet for uh, for fantasy football stardom. I did an article a couple weeks ago about whether or not it was worth drafting Aaron Rodgers in the third round. And throughout his career, he averages 21.5 fantasy points per game throughout his career. And, and throughout his throughout his career, since he took over as starter, he's averaged 344 points per season. So Aaron Rodgers, a healthy Aaron Rodgers is going to get you a crap load of points. 
Yeah, you might be a little bit worried about the pass catchers in Green Bay, but with the Packers recently signing Mercedes Lewis, I think that that means they're clearly just wanting Jimmy Graham to be a post-up power forward and box people out and catch the ball from the slot. Uh, Devonte Adams is still one of the top wide receivers in the league. Maybe not top 10, but he's very, very close to encroaching on that territory. And this is probably the best backfield that Aaron Rodgers has ever played with. So that's always really good for his play action rollouts, which he thrives on. Yeah. And just a note on drafting quarterbacks early, it's easy to pass on them, but I'm not going to give anyone a hard time for drafting a QB early. The only time I ever do it is when you look around and see I could have Aaron Rodgers or a bunch of guys that I have a bunch of question marks on that I'm probably going to be picking from the next round anyway. So I think that's when you draft a quarterback early is when you're like, I don't like any of these guys, and Aaron Rodgers is great. I'll figure out the rest on the waiver wire. Fair. Uh, if we're moving down chronological, or not chronologically, if we're moving down in order, I can only assume now, Jordan, that your quarterback who's going to lead the league in fantasy is Tom Brady because I picked Clark's quarterback, Mark picked <laughs> your quarterback, so I'm assuming you're picking my quarterback. I unfortunately did not pick your Damn you. Damn you for disturbing the order that we had un- unknowingly established. That would be a very Tom Brady thing to do, though, just to come out and light it up for 45 touchdowns this season. Who says no? <laughs> um, so I want to preface this by saying for the majority of my picks, ever since I lucked into Matt Ryan during his MVP season as like the second QB I drafted in a fantasy draft. I've been looking at who their um, coordinator is going to be, who maybe got some uh, a new coordinator who got a new um, new person just to call the shots for them and help them out. So my guy, I went with Mr. Cameron Newton down in Carolina with new offensive coordinator, North Turner now calling the shots. Um, North Turner likes to run a lot of timing routes. Uh, he wants to get the ball out a little bit quicker out of Cam Newton's hands, which is just going to help him tremendously because he has the same problem as Russell Wilson and that he just gets demolished under a, or behind a bad offensive line. Um, or North Turner's offense also does provide a lot of deep ball opportunities. So when you have people like Devin Funches and DJ Moore going to go chase those deep balls that Cam Newton has a rocket arm for, I, I think that's just going to be a recipe for a great passing fantasy season. And I even mentioned how often Cam Newton decides to tuck the ball off and run or uh, just pound it in the end zone from one yard out. Always good to get points out of Cam Newton. Cam Newton is that guy who you always, when you when you are drafting him, or at least for me, I guess I can only speak from my experience, but this is how I feel, is that when he's available, you're always like, ah, oh, but is he really that good of a quarterback? Like, ah, uh, he throws a lot of interceptions. He always throws incomplete. Like, watching him play quarterback is not the most enjoyable thing in the world. And so you're like, ah, maybe I'll just pass on him. But you forget, like you said, Jordan, literally Carolina's offense for the, since he's come into the league, as soon as they get within three yards of the goal line, is just damn hurdle everyone and just jump into the end zone. Like his rushing production is something that I feel like I know in the back of my head, but I never, it never comes to light while I'm drafting. Yeah. Like it cam, it, it kind of feels like he had a down year last year, but y'all remember where he finished. I think he was like quarterback five. Number one. 
He was he was number two behind okay. Russell Wilson. Was he really? He just blew everyone away. And it, I think he started slow because I when Jordan looked this up, I had a quick conversation with fake team stats and information staff. Good, good, good. They got this to me. I was like, man, Ken didn't really have that great of a year last year. And it's number two. Those rushing yards just really bolster his play. So I. I think Cam is is always a good pick to, to surprise and go ahead and get that number one spot. And if the coordinator can put him over the top, uh, what Cam does really well, I think, is throw the deep ball. It's all the stuff, you know, from the line of scrimmage to the deep ball that's the problem. Uh, so, yeah, I like it. So, I, didn't even, I didn't even mention getting a possible full season out of Greg Olson either. So right. a, a lot getting, of stuff could break He's right. getting a, a, a wide receiver that Steve Smith has already said is the best receiver Cam's had since the aforementioned Steve Smith. So DJ Moore is already there to to light up uh, Carolina's offense. And they got Torrey Smith, too. Never forget. McCaffrey put on five pounds, guys. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Well, there you go. If you're not drafting Christian McCaffrey first overall because he added five pounds, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know what more you're looking for from your uh, number one pick. So let's move on to the running back position. The running back position for me, I picked someone who I am. I'm trying to figure out exactly how I want to pitch this person because he's someone who I'm targeting heavily in most all my leagues, but also because this is a public publication. um, I'm also broadcasting this clearly that I want to select this player everywhere. And then I think highly of this player everywhere. So yeah, it's a little counterintuitive, but uh, that man is David Johnson. I think everyone's forgotten just kind of how good David Johnson is and was spe- specifically in 2016. Um, so just a little comparison for you guys to share some facts with you. Uh, so Todd Gurley's last year, which everyone was like, oh, my God, Todd Gurley's amazing. Uh, he scored 319 total points in standard, 383 in PPR. In 2016, when David Johnson was healthy and took the league over by storm, he scored 327 in standard and 407 in PPR. And now the NFL has a year of tape of Sean McVay and how he used Todd Gurley. So Todd Gurley's probably going to, you know, maybe take a little step back in that department. But and everyone knows, obviously, how the Steelers use Le'Veon Bell and how the Cowboys use Ezekiel Elliott. But D- David Johnson is a complete wild card because he has a new coaching staff, entire year removed from football. And the best thing about it, guys, do you know what the best thing about it is? Is his injury wasn't even leg related. He has no injury in his legs. It was his wrist. He was out the entire year because of his wrist, because of a wrist injury, um, which is huge. That's awesome. A running back that was out, missed an entire year, because of non-leg injury is phenomenal. I just think I think in this year, in this day and age is NFL where it's like, hey, my running back is a our number one receiver and our number one running back option. Uh, David Johnson started this whole trend. He's going to continue this whole trend. And he said this, that he wants to hit that thousand and thousand mark. I think he could do it. I think David Johnson could rush for a thousand and receive for a thousand this year. I I have David Johnson too. I'm just going to say it right here, right now. David Johnson writing about him was one of the first things I ever wrote for faketeams.com because I saw him during his rookie season. He played or he started for five games, even though he saw action in all 16 during his rookie year, which was only in 2015, by the way. He's still a very young running back with not a lot of mileage on him for sitting out almost all of last season. Um, Yeah, all of last season. He played one game last year. 
yeah, one game went down. It was unfortunate, but I, I just love David Johnson. He is he's the the original wide receiver turned running back because he played a lot of wide receiver in college and in high school and he it still shows up when you watch the game tape of him he looks like a receiver catching the football um but do yeah any, I, do you have any uh, offensive coordinator insight for us i don't the only <laughs> thing i the only thing i offered up is that he could definitely benefit from having either um a rookie josh rosen to be a little bit of a relief for him and for having captain check down himself, Sam Bradford, they're just ready to to toss the ball to him in the flat. Let David Johnson do David Johnson things. And again, not like it wasn't a leg injury. It's not like we have to worry about him planting or like, will he, will his yeah. legs come back a hundred percent? It was all of his wrist. And I just, that to me, like any other player who comes back from major injury, right? There's a lot you can discuss. Like Deshaun Watson is someone like Deshaun Watson tore his ACL. Like, it's a lot to expect Deshaun Watson to come back a year removed from that and play like his rookie self. David Johnson didn't injure his legs. You guys, this is a home run pick. Home run. Home run. Yeah, yeah. I fully believe we could be talking about David Johnson for MVP by the end of the season. Home run. So this was almost a very boring segment. <laughs> I, I was looking around trying to pick who I was going to talk about. And I started writing about David Johnson. Uh, and then I got a little scared because there's a lot that we don't know about that's changed in the Cardinals organization since they had, you know, the great Bruce Arians calling the plays. Uh, and I started writing about how I was really close to picking this guy, but I had to go with David Johnson. And the more I thought about it, the more I wrote about it, I decided Ezekiel Elliott's going to lead the league. Ooh. And fantasy points as the running back this year. I uh, haven't really gotten him involved in the passing game yet, but I think that's just stupid coaching. He's absolutely cap- – he's, he's better than capable. He's a fine wide receiver out of the backfield. And I think that Dallas, like – I know this is kind of a – not the best argument in the world, but they're going to have to lean on him, right? Like they, they – he is clearly the feature of their offense. He killed it last year when he played – but people that sort by fantasy points scored instead of points per game are going to miss it a little bit. I think Zeke is just a fantastic talent with Dak's threat of running the ball as well. And behind that offensive line in Dallas, which is still extremely good. I think we see Zeke approach some of that, like 1700, 1600 yard rushing possibilities of just giving it to him over and over and over. And I think for all the grief that Dak got last year about from Cowboy fans and and the media and whatnot being like, oh, he didn't back up his rookie year. He threw 13 interceptions. Is Dak Prescott really the answer? Um, A lot. The reason why he was so successful his rookie year is because he had a healthy and Ezekiel Elliott through all 16 games who was just, you know, carrying and pounding that rock. So I could easily see Jason Garrett and the Cowboys being like, you know what? We need to go back to this. Just like run the ball down their throats. Dak Prescott makes smart and the right reads. We've got a bunch of receivers now who are all no long, you know, we have receivers now who can make plays after the catch. Um, and we're not having Des Bryant, who's a little bit of a prima donna and, you know, maybe cause a little stress on those sidelines and trying to get the ball forced to him. Um, Alex Hearns is not going to ask for the ball forced to him. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and so I think you you could easily see this offense be 
very much Zeke heavy and let Zeke carry everything. And he can. He can carry the workload. Um, so that's not a bad pick, Clark. It's the wrong pick, but it's not a bad one. Yeah, aside from that atrocious game against the Broncos last year, Ezekiel Elliott was putting up like 20 a game in uh, PPR leagues. I think they need to use Ezekiel Elliott more in the pass catcher role um, rather than just handing the ball off to him 30 times a game. Because if it's one thing that my Green Bay Packers figured out in the playoffs, it's just that we're just going to try to outscore you. Like you can mm-hmm. hand the ball to Ezekiel Elliott all the t- all you want and kill the clock, but we're just going to chuck it and score quick and try to go up 14 points. And by then it's almost like you're staring down a 28 point lead. If all you can do is run the football. Right. Throw some screens. Let him go wild. Let yeah. Jack's good at that. He's yeah. good at moving the pocket. He's got touch on the short passes. I don't understand why they don't do it. No, I think I, I think you could see a lot more of Zeke as a pass catcher this year. And what a segue into the pass catchers. Uh, now we talk about the top wide receiver in fantasy. And again, I'm kind of giving away my draft strategy here, but I already kind of gave it away last week because I talked about this guy at length. Uh, Mike Evans. I think he's going to lead fantasy football in uh, in total points next year. He's going to be wide receiver one. I talked about him on last week's show. So if you don't really know why I think he's going to have a bounce back, you should go listen to that. Uh, but the biggest thing for specifically standard scoring, because I am uh, haven't quite caught on to the PPR craze. So I still do play standard mostly, but uh, obviously the biggest thing is touchdowns. Uh, Hopkins was wide receiver one this year. And he had 13 uh, last year in 2016. Evans was wide receiver number one and Jordy was number two. And that was because they both scored just a buttload of touchdowns. If we take what we know about Evans, which is that he will get you a thousand, at least a thousand yards receiving. And we toss in double digit touchdowns, you know, that's wide receiver one numbers. Um, And I'm like, I have already established on the podcast before I'm high on Evans for this year. So I'm sticking with my narrative. I'm sticking with it. And uh, Mike Evans is going to be wide receiver one this year. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, Last year, if you bought a lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneers stock, I hope you didn't go off and sell it right away. I think the Buccaneers can take a giant step forward when the microscope isn't on them, when they don't have hard knocks filming their offseason. And, you know, you get to look at all the inside battles. You start rooting for guys and big believer in karmic football over here. So I I think just not having that microscope on them will just be all around better for a, a team that's still fairly young with its good players. Man, you have such low expectations for the Browns then. I it, it couldn't be lower. <laughs> Just kidding. I love the Browns. I love Cleveland. I'm very Jets. excited for them on Hard Knocks, but it doesn't bode well if teams coming out of Hard Knocks don't necessarily perform at their top top notch. Oh, 100%. I can't wait to watch the Browns on Hard Knocks. Yeah, I'm, Mike Evans is good, but Jameis Winston is not coming along like i think people thought he would um, yeah but it, th- this is one of those picks of like i don't like it but i would be absolutely zero surprised if we look up week 15 and mike evans has 1200 yards and 15 touchdowns right i all i need from Jameis winston is just to focus on mike evans when they get into the red zone and just hit him in the hands um clark <laughs> who's who's your wide receiver number one this year so this is actually one of my boldest takes here oh, excellent. Uh, off the back 
of Aaron Rodgers lining up the league for 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Devontae Adams takes a huge step forward, fully replacing Jordy Nelson, pulling in 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns. The wailing for Jordy stops as the Packers run roughshod over the NFC. What what do you owe Jordan? Just... I'm just, uh, I'm just curious. I have a closet uh, <laughs> Packers fan. Uh, uh, my family's from Mississippi, and, and I was born in Mississippi. So, you know, we got the Brett Favre connection. And then Fair. in my younger days, I thought it was funny to uh, make Madden teams and call them the Green Bull Packers. So a lot of ties, <laughs> a lot of ties to Green Bay and the Barnes household. Yeah. They're also, they are also, I will say, with Aaron Rodgers at the helm, they're just an offense that when they're on is good for football, yeah. right? It's just good football when, when the Green Bay Packers offense is click is firing on all cylinders because it just makes highlights and it's just beautiful to watch. So, you know, I can give you that. Yeah, I mean, the the second receiver on the depth chart is probably Cobb, even though he'll land up more, line up more in the slot. They like to use him in funky ways, and he might grab six touchdowns, but that leaves a lot of other touchdowns left up for everybody else uh, without... Aaron Rodgers last season, Devonte Adams still managed to snag ten touchdowns. He had like a like a quietly good season <laughs> for a Packer receiver. He had seventy four catches to go along with that. I I can totally buy Devonte Adams continually just just climbing. And I think he's the perfect candidate outside of like the household names who could, like you were saying, Clark. You look up at week fifteen and you're like, whoa, Devonte Adams is wide receiver number one in fantasy. That's surprising, but I can totally understand it. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, but I've never experienced it myself because all the Packer homers I play fantasy football with are taking him in like the early. George, <laughs> like I've never had a chance to take him because he's gone by round three. No, I, I'm in. I'm at pick seven in the first round, and I don't get a chance at him. <laughs> uh, Jordan, who's your wide receiver one this year? Oh. My wide receiver one this year, cue up the forgot about Dre music again, because it is young Odell Beckham Jr. for the New York football giants. Um, Again, new uh, head coach, Pat Shermer, who's going to be pretty much the pseudo offensive coordinator there. And what he did with Stefan Diggs last year and Case Keenum was get Diggs 64 receptions 849 yards and eight touchdowns now imagine if Shermer gets his hands on somebody who is consistently compared to Jerry Rice that's exactly what he's getting I don't know if you'll even have the opportunity to double up Odell Beckham because Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley are providing new dimensions for that passing offense Odell Beckham can single-handedly win you a game he can single-handedly win you a fantasy game and I I think he comes back in a big way. I like these narratives that Jordan has constructed during the draft. It was all about offensive defensive linemen. That's how you rebuild your team. And now it's all about if you're drafting in fantasy, look at the offensive coordinator. Is there a new, is there a new head coach offensive coordinator in there? Well, maybe that's someone to uh, keep eyes on. I like it. You got to take a look at every single angle. I like the comment of, it is I, the only wide receiver in the game that I think can take over the game. And that doesn't take away from anyone else because Julio always has those 270-yard games where he still manages to not get a touchdown. And, Damn you, Julio. And he dominates, but you can, just, you can tell when the Giants decided to get Odell Beckham the ball, they throw it to him, and he just is faster than everyone else on the field. So he runs a crisp route, gets open, and then outruns everyone. Absolutely dominant. 
and the best ball drafts that I've done this year so far, it's about pick six or seven. And you're like, oh, no, Antonio Brown's gone. Who am I going to – I don't really like – oh, shit, Odell Beckham. Oh. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll pick him. I got it. I'll work out the rest. <laughs> he's, the, he's the only receiver in the league who can take a slant and take that to the house. And he, he did it like five times last year before he got injured. Like – and I and I totally agree with you, Jordan. He is someone who people I think just forget. And you said that Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram might be they wouldn't allow Pat Shermer to like double down on Odell. But I also think that their inclusion in the offense could help Odell become a more efficient receiver. Like he's not going to maybe receive the same number of targets and and catches that he has in years past. But I also just think that like attention is will always be on him, but. I don't think it's going to be as strong because Evan Ingram has already displayed the ability to to toast people. Uh, you have Sterling Shepard, who's who's flashed it before, and if you have Saquon Barkley really giving you what he was able to give in college, like that's a really potent offense that te- defenses now need to worry about. And and Odell one lapse, like one lapse in a defense, and Odell is going to exploit that. Uh, so I mean, I think if I were to if I were to like go to well i can do it now legally if i were to bet legally we can talk about this we don't need to be disguised with our verbiage anymore about betting if i were to bet <laughs> on who is a wide receiver one in fantasy i would i think i'd put money on odell yeah and despite how excellent the philadelphia eagles defense was last season it's not like there is a shutdown corner in the nfc east that the giants will be playing for six right. games a year that is just really going to lock him up i think the washington professional football team thought that josh norman was going to be that guy but i just he's not the same corner anymore especially with all the other holes on the uh washington defense so that's just more jordan there jordan is an, this is elite fantasy football analysis it's not only looking at the head coach not only looking at offense coordinates look you play your divisional guys six times that's almost half of the games that you're playing are against your division does your division have a corner that can cover odell no so odell's going to eat so it's elite that's elite insight right there elite analysis Unless, of course, Eli Manning just decides to throw ducks. Unless, unless his quarterback is not garbage. And then you're screwed. Offensive but that's where Shermer comes yeah, in. Yeah, and, and if the offensive line just lets everyone through. Then, then we're uh, dealing with some issues. Uh, all right, let's move on to the tight end. And I is was going to be the most boring segment. Yeah, this is going to be the most boring. I was not being creative at all in this. I'm a Patriots fan, but I'm also not an idiot. It's Gronk. Like the only way Gronk isn't the number one tight end in fantasy football is if he gets injured, but he's the number one tight end in football. There's no one who's touching him. And the only reason that I don't like just throw the bone Kelsey's way so that we can have something to talk about is Alex Smith had a fantastic season last year. And so did, and so did Kelsey and Kelsey finished second and Gronk missed a few games. (laughs) So it's like, there's no one that's going to – nothing is going to rival him. Well, Travis Kelsey, first-year starting quarterback. Pour some up for Hunter Henry. He's not going. Yeah, I um, would have – that would have been my logical choice. Evan Ingram has a chance, though, because the Giants use him as a wide receiver most often, and that actually brings me to who I picked. Oh, Jordan, added controversy. I just decided to mix it up and to – Throw some love to my Green Bay Packers. Jimmy Graham, he's going to come back and grab tight end one status. Uh, Kind of what I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the Packers did sign Mercedes Lewis. Um, They have Lance 
Kendricks, I believe his name is. I can't even remember who that other tight end is for the Packers. But I think that tells me that they're looking for more blocking tight ends, people who can actually put a hand on the ground and protect Rodgers or help in the running game because they plan on using Jimmy Graham split out in the slot. He is going to be used primarily as a receiver. He was excellent in between the 20s or in between the red zone, I should say, last year. And Aaron Rodgers, he can make anybody look good. So I was actually while we were while we were gushing over Gronk, the person I could see Jimmy Graham coming out of nowhere do it because he catches like whatever 15 touchdowns. Like if he is just like I said before at the when we were breaking news, Brandon Marshall, the Seahawks targeted him a league leading 24 times in the red zone. He led the league in that. And so like if you replicate that with Aaron Rodgers, you never know. Never say never. But Jimmy Graham, yeah, got to show me something before I uh, anoint you tight end number one. Yeah, before Aaron went down with a collarbone injury last season, they were absolutely elite in the red zone as far as passing touchdowns go. So add somebody like Jimmy Graham to that mix, I don't see how he doesn't put up double-digit touchdowns again. Could. Could. Or could be like Martellus Bennett, and he just, you know, doesn't care about the Packers and leaves. I, I finally wiped that from my memory. And now it's and I'm here to remind you about <laughs> it. Um, now, Clark is an overachiever, and I don't know if Jordan's an overachiever as well. I, while we were talking on our on Slack, on our Slack channel, was just like, hey, guys, let's just do the uh, positions that people care about, which is quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And Clark's like, what? I am a man of the people. The people demand kickers and defense. So I don't have anyone for kickers and defense, but Clark, man of the people, uh, who do you have as your number one kicker and defense for 2018? Uh, so top kicker, I have written the narrative to myself that although the Chiefs will be with first-year sort of quarterback uh, having some problems getting into the red zone with Andy Reid, they will have no problem scoring and so I'll take the man who finished second overall in points per game last year, Harrison Butker. Uh, and Plus, he also opened a lot of doors for names. Yeah. you. I mean, you get to go to Pluckers and yell, Butker! You know, Butker! It's, it's There's be, a lot. There's a lot you can do with that. Anyway, so, yeah, Harrison Butker, number one. Jordan, do you have okay. a kicker that you want to add to this, or are we just having a Clark go right out to the defense? Because I got nothing. Uh look for somebody who kicks in a dome or kicks in a, a sunny atmosphere. Um, you know what? I, I would probably just out of respect draft Greg Zerline. I would probably target him again. There was games last year when he got me like 17 points. He was like, a that, monster. He was fantastic. And if the Rams put up strong offensive performances again, like they did last year, then Greg Zerline's just going to capitalize off of every touchdown. So why not? It's really hard to repeat as number one kicker. You don't see that very often. You know, it's really hard to do that. Clark's next think piece on fake peeves is how yeah. how often do kickers repeat as the number one kicker in fantasy? Yeah, it's gonna be a real uh, clickbait. <laughs> it's gonna end in a question mark. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm gonna throw it on there. Uh, so top DST, uh, I finally get to do my homer pick. Uh, the Houston Texans get. Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watt healthy for a full season, getting them sacks. Teron Matthew getting you know nineteen Jesus, turnovers probably. Uh, 
yeah, Houston Texas best defense, and uh, let's just not talk about the Rams. Yeah. No, I could see that. I could see. I mean, just the amount of pressure that they can get on them, and then and the thing is, is we and we talked about this way, 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 way back when we were talking about the Rams' brand new team that they were constructing, and obviously a lot more worry is placed on the offensive line or offensive side of things when you are introducing a whole bunch of new pieces. Um, but you know. You're introducing a lot of new pieces to that team that maybe, maybe not. There is some chance of failure there. So, whereas in Texas, the Houston Texans, um, you know, you've got you've got continuity at all levels, and you're just getting back arguably the best defensive player in the league. I, I feel like me rooting for this happening is like me rooting for the Rockets against the Golden State Warriors. Like I, I was pretty sure how it was going to end, but I was I was still going to root for my team. Hey, you do you. That's all we can ask for in this life. Hey, you know what? The Texans were still consistently a top 10 defense in fantasy last year, despite missing all um, the the big names like J.J. Watt and Woody Merciless went down, too. So that's why not? Why not Tyron Matthew? Tyron Matthew, I forget that they got him. And if he returns, I mean, just what, two years ago, he was in defensive defensive player of the year discussions. If he returns to that level and whatever gets... Well, yeah. What do you want to throw in there? Six interceptions and four forced fumbles. Who says no? Yeah, we've got him down for nineteen turnovers this year. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not talking about just a shutdown slot corner here. We're talking about somebody who just has a nose for taking the football away from you and finding a way to get it into his own end zone. He's the guy. He is the closest guy after after his retirement that reminds me of Troy Polamalu in the sense of him just like flying all over the field and like having a knack, like you were saying, Jordan, of just like coming up with the football. Troy Palomalu did that throughout his entire career. Yeah. He'll just, he'll just appear with it magically. You're like, honey badger. What the heck? Where, where, how did that happen? The football was 10 yards away from you. How did you suddenly have it? Um, So there you go. There you go, everyone. If you, uh, I have the uh, Houston Texans beating the Green Bay Packers uh, for the Super Bowl as well for bonus points. Just just throwing that out there, too, because everyone knows in fantasy you also predict Super Bowl winner. Super important. Got to get them tiebreakers. <laughs> exactly. That's how you determine. Yeah. Um, there you go. Man, what a year for the Houston Texans. Tyron Matthew has 19 turnovers and they win the Super Bowl. That is, that is a good team right there. And Deshaun Watson is the number one quarterback in fantasy football. Damn. Yep. It's pretty pretty good performance. Big year for Houston. Um, so there you go, everyone. So that those are our way too early predictions of who's going to lead the league in uh, fantasy numbers. And before we close out, we posted out on the Twitter sphere. Uh, we were like, hey, you know what? Not a lot's going on in the old NFL. Let's open up the mailbag. Be like, hey, peeps, you got some questions? Send them in. Uh, shockingly, we got a response. The shocking league was not that we only got one. It was that we got a, so well done us. We have a social media presence now nailed it. Um, that being said, it's our own Mark Abel who writes for fake teams, but we'll take it. That's a win. Um, so old Mac asks, uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins had the 26th most receiving yards with New Jersey jets. Uh, and I said New Jersey because they technically play there, but really it's because I saw the NYJ and I just said, Oh, New Jersey can't read um new york jets last year does his stock rise at all for being in jacksonville this year or is it more of the same uh jordan i'll start with you what are your thoughts on asj now that he is in jacksonville honestly i think it kind of goes down um 
Austin Safari and Jenkins was the beneficiary of there not being a lot of other weapons in New York. Um, so he was targeted quite frequently. He was playing himself into a good contract. Um, and he's kind of like Mercedes Lewis, very similar, but Jacksonville didn't really use him in his entire career there. Um, and Except for the, the one game against the Ravens where he had three touchdowns. And yeah, destroyed everyone. And the Jaguars have a lot of good receivers. They have another receiver who has a fully guaranteed contract. They want to run the football. Um, I was watching NFL Live a little bit earlier today, and um, the beat writer down there was uh, talking about how the the coach noticed in like the last four to five games, including the playoffs, that Jacksonville uh, that the Jaguars themselves they were. Uh, running the ball for like 50 less yards per game on average. So they want to come out pounding the rock this year. Yeah, I just – I think Blake Bortles is not good at football. And so all of his receivers <laughs> are going to suffer. So I, ASJ showed something in New York last year, and, and it was okay. And if he had gone to a team like the Packers or something, I could see getting excited for him. But going to the Jaguars is – that's too bad. I think he stays the same. I just think, well, actually, I should really, if I'm being honest, I said that I thought his stock would rise, but then you guys were all like, oh, no, I'm really negative on ASJ. So I was like, oh, I want to fit in, so I can't be super positive. I'm just going to be, like, mildly positive. So I just think that he's going to be this normal, the same. Not hey, man, you liked ASJ before. It was cool. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty cool. Um, but anyways, I think mainly just because they got rid of Mercedes Lewis and they didn't draft the tight end, like, he's – clearly has an assat he's going to have a role in the offense um and mercedes lewis was a decent fantasy option like if you were really desperate i guess at tight ends i really shouldn't say decent that one time someone in jacksonville won the millionaire maker yeah they, like, i guess he kind of needed it but um the biggest thing that asj has going for him is the fact that uh it seemed like his biggest barrier and why he got ultimately released from Tampa Bay was that he had a drinking problem and was suffering and was dealing with alcoholism. And it seemed like he was sober all of his time in New York. So it seems like he's gotten that behind him, which is great. And like that to me signifies that he could continue at least improving uh, from a, from a football perspective. Um, so I, you know, I guess I just think that like good for him for getting, for move, for getting that behind him and, and working through those life, dis life issues. Um, and then now being able to produce on the field. So I think, I think if you are, I think if you're looking to draft Austin Safarian Jenkins, I mean, are you ever even going to really consider picking him up? No, you're not. Like, I think he's the only time you're going to, you're going to pay him any fantasy attention is if you're playing DFS and you're like, maybe he's playing the, you know, whomever Miami dolphins and they're 31st against tight ends. And you're like, sure. I'll take a flyer on him. But, but I think, yeah. and that Mercedes Lewis didn't do well there, I, I think is really the damning evidence. Like, right. Mercedes Lewis isn't, I mean, a world beater or anything, but he's a very good tight end. Like, the Packers picking him up, he is a he is an absolutely solid hmm. blocking, catching tight end. Uh, so huge. him not being able to do anything. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, he's a good football player, and he did nothing except for, you know, one game where he you know, absolutely lit it up. But So, ultimately... On a more positive note, I hope ASJ is just all of a sudden a top-tier tight end because, as we talked about in our tight end segment, 
We need tight ends. We like, need yeah. The fantasy world needs more good tight ends. Amen. We have two and a half. We count Greg Olson <laughs> as a half. Yeah. yeah, we got two and a half. Um, ultimately, our answer, Mark, is you should just not be drafting Austin Safarian Jenkins. Yeah. If that is who your choice is at tight end, you need to reconsider your uh, draft priorities. But Sorry. we all are happy for him. And yes. We hope that he does well. Yeah. Yeah. He was highly touted coming out of college. People thought he was going to be the next big thing. And then he wasn't, but maybe he still could be. Um, so there you go. Uh, all the more reason, because we gave such a concise and and good, I would, I mean, I would even go as far to say answer to to Mark. Uh, all the more reason for you to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast, so that when we tweet out asking for questions for the mailbag, that you you know you can then respond. You have the opportunity to get this uh, A plus insight. And, and stuff that only we can offer. Uh, so make sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And make sure to uh, subscribe, rate, and review on us on iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure to do that. The more that you rate us, the more we appear in front of people. And we will be back at you next week to talk about Lord knows what. Hopefully some crazy NFL news happens. Hopefully Des Bryant gets signed somewhere. Maybe Adrian Peterson becomes a Houston Texan. Who knows? Yeah, this is the time of year you hope there's not news because this is just people get arrested or hurt themselves. Time of yeah, the year. and I, I don't want I don't want breaking news if it's another Hunter Henry ACL situation. Don't give me that. Don't give me that NFL gods, football gods. All I want is like good positive news that we can be like, oh, we could actually build a podcast around this. It's time to tune in, guys. Are you listening to this on the day that it dropped? Because tomorrow is June. That means we're two months out. Two months out! Start paying attention. Again. Two months out of football. I'm one month out of getting married. And everything is turning up RB1 Podcast, you guys. Until next week. Peace!